Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. It's a Bitcoin Podcast. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode number 315. Um, I'm the host that talks after. first. What's up? Go ahead. What are you gonna, did you just yell out after randomly? I was, I was going to say after the pie episode. I'm so I'm so happy to have the pie episode. Yes. Dude, 314 we, episodes. That's a lot of episodes. We really went in there, man. We're still going in there. We should, um, we, we need to, re, we always That's say we're like, going to do this. But we never commit, and we need to have drunken episodes. We need to have it more frequently because, quite frankly, on you. I've been drunk about half of the episodes. Well, we need to. I need to be drunk with you because, quite <laughs> frankly, I need to be drunk or intoxicated. I'm, I'm four beers in already. You're, what are you drinking? You're gonna get a mug. I'm, get a I'm mug drinking coffee. I have to go work out after this, so I can't go drink. I gotta drink after. That's what I'm saying. We gotta coordinate. We gotta coordinate this better because, frankly, Corey, I need. To be intoxicated to deal with the shit coming out of the crypto community these days. <laughs> I have to be. That's that's by the way, for those uh who are who are curious about what the content of this episode is gonna be, it's gonna be us talking about the shit coming out of this community uh lately. Yeah, man. It's just so weird to have been in something so long to now kind of have this distaste for it. We should try and have some like we should try to think about back in the day how we felt about things and doing this podcast. Because like, don't get me wrong, like over the years, uh, by the way, host number two or other host talking, Corey Petty, that's me. Cool. Uh, <laughs> like over the years of doing this, um, we've changed quite a bit. Um, I'm a lot more serious. I'm a lot more invested. I'm a lot more like a part of the ecosystem. And I'm a lot more knowledgeable. Uh, mm-hmm. In the early days, if you go back and listen to like early episodes, like me, you, and Cello, it, it was it, it was hilariously nonsensical. Yeah, yeah. And now we're all we're all grown now. Like, so you like- <laughs> we made a whole episode on like that one dude that sold sold like eggs for Bitcoin in Australia because that was dope. That shit was cool. I mean, that's I like when Bitcoin. That. I would that's hear when, about that. That's when Bitcoin was actually doing something. But now, like, I feel like it's like deja vu. I feel like it's the same shit. Like, I get, I get on a like TikTok Bitcoin. I saw some of that on Reddit this week. I was like, oh, here's a TikToker, Bitcoin, and about Ugh. he's TikToking about Bitcoin. Way, uh, a security adv- advisory. Get rid of TikTok immediately. If you have TikTok, delete it off your phone. Get rid of it immediately. It is just. You thought Facebook was bad about recording your data. TikTok is way worse. So if you have it on your phone, 
get rid of it, delete everything. You might as well throw your phone away. It's so bad. Put some gasoline on it, light it on fire, stomp it out, light it on fire again. Um, But the thing is, Corey, is that it's fun to dance in front of your phone. So no one is going to take that advice. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. We're so jaded. We're so jaded now. All right. So anyways, Bitcoin. All right. So this episode is brought to you by Visions Customs on Twitter. Uh, He's been giving us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been giving us like shout outs because he's like, oh, it's the Bitcoin podcast where they don't talk about Bitcoin. So I've been in like a, yeah, (laughs) I've been in a three week argument with this guy. And it started out with me saying, yeah, we don't talk about Bitcoin because Bitcoin is boring now. Like it's it's gloriously boring. It's, It's the closest to money or currency it's ever been. Like it's not. Nobody takes out $20 bills and is like, ooh, that, that looks like they have a new serial number. Looks like we're in the 2020 series of $20 bills. <laughs> Nobody does that shit. <laughs> so now Bitcoin Dude, is kind of... The other part of that is that nothing has changed. Like, nothing's changed. Like, we've talked about change a lot, especially with the Bitcoin ecosystem. Like, yeah. like people are like, why don't you talk about this? It's like, here's your episode where we talked about that three years ago. Yeah, uh, that's where it like, is. I'm, I don't like. I'm not. I didn't start this so I can repeat myself every week. Yeah, to me like, either to like cater or pander to the people who are coming into the show, wanting to get information that they don't know about. Like this shit has been going on for a long time. If you would like to know about it, do a Google search. Yeah, because nothing is changing. It's the same shit. It's the same thing. At least in Bitcoin. And then there's a lot changing in other ecosystems, but it's like one of those situations where like <laughs> it's not necessarily good. Like I, I like <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot of innovation, quote unquote, innovation within different blockchains, uh, and it's yet to be like vetted in terms of actually being worthwhile. And you so know what I like, feel like Corey, I feel talk like about that stuff. Go ahead. Ultimately, that's why you and I are no longer in education because I know you've been a professor you've taught before and I was a teacher but ultimately I think that's why we wouldn't align with that because if we're saying the same shit every year it's like oh fuck this right triangle shit again kudos kudos to Andreas Antonopoulos (laughs) for repeating himself for six fucking years Jesus Christ in different ways somehow or another he's still he's still repeating himself and that's why it's not important that's why I'd say that's why it's not like he may still be the go-to guy when you're like learning, learning about stuff. I remember when we first got into this, we're like, oh shit, Andreas has a new video. Better watch it because we might learn something. And now it's like, oh, Andreas is saying the same thing over and over again, but in a new way. He has reboot videos where he just like redoes talks because there's nothing else to talk about. Yeah. There's nothing left and to talk I, about. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are things to talk about in Bitcoin. Well, the dude, Vision but Customs How do you said figure these things to- out? We need Where do you to take go some to learn tips from what Bitcoin did because, you know, he's not interviewing the same fucking people we interviewed three years ago. So, um, anyway. Oh, Peter McCourt. Good, good, I, mean, I don't know. There's a few things you can talk about. You talk about price movement. Boring as shit. I'm not talking about it. I don't care because there's, there's no science behind it. You can just talk about what happened. And it's the same thing as like CNN, t- like reading tweets about things fucking celebrities say. I'm not doing that. Mm. If in this case the technology changes or we have drastic movement, I'm not talking about it. 
Mm. If we have people where like it changes their life and they want to talk about it. Cause I remember like early days, we talked to porn stars. We talked to people who were just living off of Bitcoin. We talked to like all kinds of different people where like Bitcoin was making an impact on their life where they couldn't do things otherwise. That mm. was interesting. And that was fun. But like, there's a lot of that now. You find those stories everywhere. I mean, here's something we could we could reach for. What? So I see this a lot now. I don't know how it's coming up in such a I don't know everyday vernacular, but this cash coin shortage and everybody's scared that America's going to go to a cashless society. I think Bitcoin's got a unique part to deal with that, just because. Now, all of a sudden, you really do have a need for some cash or currency system that's outside of a pure government-issued digital currency. But the the, the government like convincing the government to go with that. It's yeah, not going to happen. No, it's not. So now you you're left with that scenario that seems ever so more likely is there's going to be people that use Bitcoin and outside of government issued currency and then there's going to be government issued currency and it's kind of like one's always going to be sullied and uh, compartmentalized as the other people's currency um and then there's government issued currency like especially if we go to a cashless society that's just going to be the way that it is i bet you point of sale systems won't even like will auto charge a fee or something that'll happen when someone tries to pay with bitcoin or it'll just be the new under the table kind of thing, like you. Pay, it's the equivalency of paying with cash would be paying with with Bitcoin. I mean, I don't know. Like, let's let's. How much are we going to assume that governments are going to pay attention to this stuff if they are only just now coming to the realization that like black people matter? <laughs> Uh, just, you know, that's a good question, Corey. <laughs> like, uh, like, it, it seems as though, like, based on like uh, previous episodes, where we talked about black market stuff. Like, um, nation states will use will use things like Bitcoin, specifically Bitcoin, apparently, because fuck privacy, uh, to fund things that they're not supposed to fund. Or like move money that they don't want kind of the like treasury to keep track of. That mm. seems to be the case. Uh, and that's such large volumes where it makes a significance in the use cases of Bitcoin. Whereas like me buying coffee doesn't really matter. Mm. And outside of that, like they probably don't care. Maybe they'll use it to find. Now I know that they use it to, or they 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 watch it to track illicit finance, so that they can have more information about um, terrorist cells funding each other to do things that they would not like them to do. Across the board, all countries are doing that. And CoinJoin puts up somewhat of a barrier to entry there, but I'd, I guarantee you, most terrorist cells are using Bitcoin or not using CoinJoin. So they're basically just broadcasting all of their financial information. Mm. And that is something that governments are interested in. Outside of that, you using Bitcoin to buy 
Adderall from India, no one gives a shit about. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, like now the innovation happening, I would say is not happening on Bitcoin. It's definitely maybe, not happening on Bitcoin. Maybe they'll adopt it later on down the line when there's better security practices. We've been hearing about things like uh, kind of taproot schnorr signatures, things like that for a while now, but I don't expect them to actually ever become a part of the protocol of Bitcoin because um, there's so much change and the majority of the things happening is on liquid, which is not actually Bitcoin. It's just like a multi-sig on top of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. But that was an interesting discussion inside of the Slack this very morning that the best platforms was Joe talking about platform theory. The best platforms are capture more value outside of the base layer than they do in the base layer. That puts a huge dent in like what we earlier considered as the hallmark of why this stuff is important, which is fat protocol theory, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like the reason why blockchains are so cool is because the base layer captures all the value. What we're seeing now, uh, at least within the Ethereum ecosystem, is uh, Ethereum is enabling a lot more value than the actual market cap of Ethereum itself, Ether itself, right? Mm-hmm. So like all of the things built on top of it are worth more than the underlying um, like platform that enables them. So all the money put into Ether, that market cap is smaller than the sum of the projects that use Ethereum. I don't know why we would think it's the other way around. I feel like there's so many instances in just like humanity where the most expensive well, shit's at the top. That's a recreation. Well, it mimics how the internet works today, right? All the mm-hmm. value of all of the things built in the internet are captured in the application layer and not in the protocol layer, like TCP IP, TCHP, like all, all different ways in which like all the technologies that the applications use don't capture any of the value. It's just the application itself. What was mm-hmm. neat about blockchains is that some of that value, and earlier earlier thought, the majority of that value is actually captured in the protocol. Like Ether would capture that. That's no longer necessarily like all of the case. It's going to be somewhere in between because it turns out absolutes are fucking stupid. Yeah. But, uh, like, do you think there's I'm any curious, way around? Go ahead. Interesting here, right? Is that... Uh, a lot of these protocols or like applications, sorry, uh, that are capturing all this value aren't necessarily married to the underlying protocol. And eventually, if something comes along that is uh, that solves the scaling problems, fee problems, whatever issues that we're having in the underlying base layer, they can be ported. And all of the value, assuming that you have a one-to-one mapping from scarcity, say like if you're like, let's take DAI, for instance, right? DAI lives on top of Ethereum. It's a stable coin. And it enables probably the majority of DeFi, mm-hmm. decentralized finance. Over 50%. Now, if you're able to just move DAI completely from Ethereum to some other ecosystem that scales better or has lower fees, then all of the value and intrinsic value that Ethereum gives is gone, or at least taken away and moved on to the other platform. So you have like a wholesale movement of value because you have digital scarcity moving from one place to another, transferring to some other layer. I don't know what it means. I haven't thought about that enough to like think about one, how that's done, if it can be done and what the underlying value of the base layer is, if you can do that. 
Isn't that where atomic swaps come into play? Or am I speaking atomic out of swaps? Atomic swaps means that like um, the assets still live on the individual chains. You have two different chains that are like running parallel to each other. Mm-hmm. And an atomic swap is I'm going to lock funds on one chain. And then the other chain is watching for that to happen. And when it happens, they say, oh, you locked funds over here. I'm going to mint funds on my chain because I know they can't move on the other chain. And now you can move them on my, uh, on my other chain. And then when you're done moving them on my, on my second chain, I'm going to delete them. I'm going to throw them away. And you can now use them again on the original chain. That's an atomic swap, basically. Hmm. It never actually leaves the individual chains. What I'm talking about is a wholesale movement from one chain to another, where like the value and the scarcity leaves one chain and goes to another. Hmm. And if it's the basis of like DeFi or like decentralized finance, what we build the like the new financial system on, that's going to have a huge impact on whether or not people are going to use the original system. Say, for instance, die like this is this is there's no reason for this to actually happen. I'm just making a theoretical hypothetical here. Die completely leaves Ethereum and moves over to some other chain. All of the things that depend on die pretty much have to go with it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because you know that's going to happen. Like that, the like a Murphy's Law kind of thing. Like I see that well, happening. If, it, if Ethereum can't handle, if it can't handle the transaction volume or, or fees don't go down because they're like, they're real bad. It's very fees difficult to use Ethereum right now, now because fees are so high. Fees are higher on Ethereum than they are on Bitcoin. I did see that this week. That was the five minutes was, Corey. The five minutes of crypto read oh, I did this week. Your five minutes, those were five minutes yeah. of catching up. Yeah, yeah, they're much higher. And it's 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 prohibitively expensive to use Ethereum for most things. For some reason or other, there's a lot of scam things that are happening where people are still throwing dumb amounts of money into, fin- into transaction fees. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, That's like, but also like, what are you going to do with Bitcoin? Cool, I'm going to send you some money using Bitcoin or any of the other options that are just as fast mm-hmm. to me personally that are probably cheaper. And I don't need to like worry about whether or not you have a Bitcoin account. Like the, when we first started, I'd say when we first started this podcast, uh, the ability to send somebody money was severely limited in comparison today. Mm-hmm. Like all of the different options that you have and this may be because bitcoin was so pop like so successful all of the options that i currently have to send you money didn't exist didn't exist back then you just had bitcoin especially overseas especially overseas mm-hmm. but like now i can i could i can, i have like basically when i'm using craigslist i give people 14 options on how i accept payment mm-hmm. and 13 out of those 14 options is based on the traditional financial system. Yeah. So this is something that we spoke to like two, three years into the podcast. I remember I was talking with you and Cello and I was saying that Bitcoin and crypto needs to get on its horse and start moving because the traditional. So this is that blockbuster argument I made, right? Blockbuster moves slow and they lost. But the thing that allows you to move faster, slow when you're talking about providing a product or service is literally money, right? 
If you've got a big problem that you need to surmount and you've got a giant, giant pile of money, you could take that giant pile of money and throw it at the problem and get it solved real quick and adapt it. But if you don't have that money, then you can't. I'm going to fight you on that one. I'm going to fight you on that one. Yeah. Why didn't all the ICOs become successful? If that's true, why aren't all the ICOs successful? Because Because they all got a big pile of money. They got a tiny pile of money, Corey. They had a tiny pile of money. $100 million? That's a tiny pile. $100 million to throw out a problem. Bro, we print a trillion dollars a month. We print a trillion dollars a month. Yeah, but if you're just, you're just talking about <laughs> dumb shit. What do you mean? Give me yeah. A, give me $100 million. I'll fix your issue. $100 million should be able to get a lot done. You're right. You're absolutely right. But I think it's kind of like taking away. What I'm saying is like the ability to adapt, like the ability for your business to start doing something new. And ICO wasn't like a business trying to do something new. And ICO was like, I'm a brand new business. Like that's that's different. That's like a startup fee kind of thing. And if uh, you're a software company, that. huh? Explain that differentiation, please. All right. We got Blockbuster. Netflix comes along and says, like, hey, you know you could put all these movies on the internet, right? And then people could just like rent rent them from the internet instead of having to come in here. And Blockbuster's like, what? That's stupid. People love driving nah, all the fam. way. Real estate. Yeah. Like, nah, fam. People love getting in their car with their rowdy ass kids every Friday evening and driving over here and telling their kids no 30,000 times because they want to rent Barney and friends. And you're like, fucking no. <laughs> nah, son. Real overhead is the Sour Patch kids that they're buying right before they rent those movies. Absolutely. <laughs> Right. And then the kids are like, can I get Sour Patch Kids? No. Can I get Red Vines? No. Can I get Cheetos? No. So like that's the whole that's the blockbuster experience. Right. If you lived it, then, you know, if you're too young, I'm sorry. You miss great times. Right. But so Netflix comes in and they're like, yo, you could just put all these movies on the Internet. And people rent it from there. And like, oh, fuck that. And then so Netflix oh, starts taking. Vines. Yeah. <laughs> so. So, yeah. The red vines are so good. You could take the ends off of both and use it as a straw because that's normal. And then so, so anyways, uh, then Blockbuster's like, oh, shit, we fucked up. We got to adapt. We got to put our shit on the Internet. They didn't have enough money to make the changes needed quick enough to compete with Netflix. And they made a stupid ass decision to try to compete with Redbox instead of Netflix. I don't know if you remember the Blockbuster kiosks. There were like five of them. I, I saw <laughs> no, one, no one remembers them because only like 0.00% of the population ever saw one. Yeah. And I was like, this is worse than Redbox. You guys tried to compete with Redbox and did it worse. You guys are done. But anyways, Blockbuster didn't have that. Po- they didn't have bank money. They had Blockbuster money. So when they had to surmount a challenge, they couldn't. They didn't have enough time. Banks have infinity money. So all they need is enough time to throw money at the problem to start to have the competing technology to make stuff like Bitcoin and Ether not make any sense from a currency standpoint. Because it's like, oh, you know, why would you use Bitcoin to send something to somebody for free when you could just use Zelle, Z-E-L-L-E, whatever that shit is in my Bank of America app? It's just as free. It's just as fast, according to the consumer. Right. Well, the had- issue that we come upon. 
here's the issue that we actually like have in all this. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of a user experience, traditional finance is probably going to win because they have that money to build that and like make it seem as though things are instant and fast and quick and they can leverage the social networks that already exist because they don't care about privacy and security really. Mm-hmm. And so what, what we're, what we're seeing is a real fight of trying to get people to understand the uh, value of caring about their privacy and security especially when it comes to financial transactions. And we're probably going to lose that battle. We can't even get people to care about black people. Yeah. How are we going to get them to care about their passwords? Oh, Jesus Christ. Don't say passwords. I have to, I have to reset so many passwords on a weekly basis. <laughs> I don't know how I became the admin. This, is, this becomes like, this is this is the battle that we face because ultimately blockchain technology gives people a lot of freedom and power back and responsibility. But most people don't want that responsibility and power. There have to be willing to take it. There have to be severe consequences for, for, for getting to do stuff, right? Like that's, that's what keeps, that's, that's the whole point of social contracts. Like for example, if I don't renew my driver's license or renew all the credentialing I need every year to, to drive my killing machine, then I get tough penalties for it. I get fined. I have to go to the courthouse and waste a day of work. I got to explain to my boss why I'm irresponsible. He's like, for real? You, for real? Like, you couldn't get that shit taken care of and now you got to miss work? Like, <laughs> like that's that. those are the ramifications of not playing the game. When it comes to, like, crypto, there's never going to be anyone who punishes somebody for forgetting their private key or or not remembering their password. Like, imagine oh, if you... Your, your funds are gone. Sorry. No customer support here. Your funds are gone. But imagine the change in society if banks were like, hey, guess what? You forget your online banking password. You've got to come to the bank to get it back. No, fuck that. You forget your online banking password. You don't have any funds anymore. Oh, that would be different. That would that would cause rampant chaos. No That's one would Bitcoin. ever. That's Bitcoin. I know, but people don't understand that. They don't they don't no see shit. that Bitcoin is cash. That was the standard. Think about how much people would care about their goddamn password. They would care a lot. They would care a lot. Yeah. So. It's I don't know. There's on that note. Today's interview. Yeah, today's interview. <laughs> oh, my God. They're going to be pissed off. They're going to be like, damn, these fucking jabronis just went off on all this pessimistic things. Uh, for Bitcoin it's and crypto. It's realistic. We have, it we have is a very difficult, like, as, a, as an ecosystem across the board of the blockchain, we have an incredibly different problem to try and solve. And that is getting people to care about their privacy and security. It's, yeah, yeah, we could rebuild the entire financial infrastructure on top of uh, this new technology. What does it give us if you don't give a shit about taking responsibility for your own financial freedom? It doesn't mean anything. If you if you demand the same convenience and the same things about offloading that convenience to someone else to take care of it for you, then nothing is new. Go away. Nothing's going to happen for you. This isn't going to be your 10,000x, I'm going to get rich real quick scheme. That's not the point here. Well, this actually kind of gets into a deeper conversation, though, Corey. When we're talking about privacy and security, that is such a um, fluid definition i think 
right? Like, for example, I've lived in communities where no one locks their door. No one has fences. No one locks their door. Everything is secure. Everything is safe. And from a privacy standpoint, those same communities are probably the ones that leave their blinds open at night. So if they're doing anything, you could just look right into their house. Like, oh, cool. They're having a party. Where are you living? Right. Um, those those would be like, um, you know, those country places like in Texas, like country. Like, I mean, I guess I do that. But like I live on a lot of land, so ain't nobody looking through my window. Yeah, but the the security involved with where you lived is is layered and different. Like nobody could probably even fucking try. To, if somebody is trying to do dirt in the community where you live, like they might accidentally stumble upon it. Like it's kind of hard to get to. It's like up in the. You if know, someone's if someone's at my house, they're really stubborn about not turning around. Yeah, it's not easy to get to your crib, right? So like that's a different <laughs> kind of security. It's like secure by obscurity, like, and so. It's one of those things to where security and privacy change, you know, from person to person almost and community to community and family to family to where if you're trying to to redo the behaviors involved with that on the Internet where no one has even thought about remotely thought about any of that stuff ever their entire lives, then it's a steep hill to climb. And then the thing is, is that when you start talking about privacy and security, when it talks to online things with people, um, they just start looking at you like you're batshit crazy. Like they don't even want to know. They're like, what? No. What? What is HTTPS? What? And I'm like, man, this is like really simple shit. Like <laughs> this is not anything. Yeah. But uh, then you have a lot of uh, issues in terms of like, uh. Facebook leaking your data. Cambridge Analytica was a big step in this in this direction of people understanding that the platforms that they use are just treating them as products. There's something fundamentally broken with how the internet works in terms of like you using the internet becomes a product. People are worried about their phones listening to them, their Alexa listening to them, their their you know Google whatever listening to them, and they're right because they are, and that's what's happening. But like. Mm-hmm. It's only now that people are starting to realize the fact that that's happening and they're becoming like, I don't like that. I don't want that to happen. I don't want them listening to me pooping. Mm-hmm. But that's that's real. And so, like, that's the way the Internet works. The Internet works. Basically, it's been optimized to serve you ads based on the things that you do. That's the Internet today. The, the entirety of the Internet is saying, what are you doing? Okay, I'm going to serve you ads so that you can buy stuff. Mm-hmm. And what the blockchain ecosystem is trying to do is to get rid of that, is to stop that. Fundamentally, mm-hmm. in my opinion. That's that's why I care about this technology. Dude, yeah. I hope I hope that happens. I really do. Cuz it's going to get You know there's some su- fucking scientist out there that is doing some sort of probability mapping. And trying to predict ads shoveling to your face depending upon like what you're thinking about. And they're like, I bet you if he said this within a certain time frame of saying that, he's thinking about buying this. So now I'm going to serve Don't get me wrong. Like, there's some real convenience to that. Because I've been served a lot of ads. like, oh, fuck, I want that. I eat that. And I bought that thing. (laughs) So like, let's not not get it too too twisted here. Like, a part of that is nice. But I want to I want to opt into it. I want that I want that to be something that I opt into and say yes as opposed to saying as opposed to something that I don't have a choice about. Yeah. 
Like in Minority Report, the thing that scans your eye and then serves ads that only you can see as you're walking through the mall. That's what I want. I'm okay with it. Just like don't <laughs> give that information to other people. Like just, just need some new eyeballs. I don't like that. Yeah, like just but anyways. Um so today today's interview is is Overbit. Overbit is a um it's an exchange that does high leverage uh, uh, tra- trading, uh, uh, high mar- margin trading, uh, margin. A lot trading. of leverage. Yeah, so you play with fire. Like you can bet a little bit and make a lot, or you can bet a lot and lose a lot. Like it's it's margin trading. Um, margin trading is a little different. Instead of like guessing what the price is going to be and profiting on when the price hits that and your sell order uh, or buy order, I guess sell order hits you guess which direction the market is gonna move from a single point and then you're paid the further it the further it moves the more money you make right so if you're like okay the i'm gonna educational videos with d that's right that's right i need some of that like magic school one d before we could open it a magic school bus music right so like let's say we have token x and token x is currently worth two and you say, okay, I think it's going to go up from two dollars and twenty-five cents. And then you put your, you place your bets, your big old bet, right? And you leverage that at ten x. So you take five hundred dollars and you leverage it at ten. So you're really playing with five thousand. Every time it's going above two dollars and twenty-five cents, you're making more and more and more and more money. Now you're making it, the amount of money you would make times the leverage that you have. Yeah, it's deep. So also, if you go the other direction, you're losing the amount of money that you would have times the leverage that you're on. So you lose your money way faster than you make your money. Yeah. So you got to put in things called stop losses and stuff like that. So you make sure that if you guess wrong, your boat doesn't sink. You know, you just close a close a what are those things called? What do boats have where like they take on water and then they close it off and they can still they can still or- uh, it's about I think you're right. Is it ballast? It's ballasts, I think. Yeah, so stop loss is closing the ballast. If you say the price is gonna go up from two twenty five and it goes down to like if you know you're gonna lose all your money if the price gets down to a dollar fifty, then you might want to put in a stop loss at like two dollars and twenty cents so you don't lose all your fucking money. Right? Like it's just that's that's how that game is played. But that's a game I haven't played in many, many moons. I'm glad I don't anymore. Um so, I think we used to margin trade with a bot too, which is like we did, we did, which is bananas <laughs> to me to think that we were we were doing that dumb shit. We we made so much money doing manual trading, and we put it on a bot and lost it all. We didn't lose it all. We did not lose it all. We didn't, we didn't gain lose it all. that much. We lost a lot of it. We lost. Well, that's well. Everybody lost after twenty seventeen. And we we basically had our own stop loss, and we we're like, we don't stop this right now. This bot's gonna fucking shit all our money into the into a hole. So, anyways, overbit. Overbit. Here it is. Hey, what's up, everyone? Um, welcome to another one of the Bitcoin podcasts interviews. Um, we have so so. If you guys don't know, you don't know, but Overbit is hot on the streets right now. And and that's why we brought them in. Uh, we brought the CEO of Overbit in to talk about why 
they're hot on the streets. So without further ado, Chi Chi Lu, how you doing, man? Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks, Tim. Thank you very much. Um, well, we're gonna keep it pretty standard, man. We, how, who, who is Chi, and, and how did you intersect crypto, blockchain, Bitcoin, all this, this crazy subculture that we're all a part of and love? <laughs> how did you um, intertwine with it? Like, I know you were doing something previous to crypto. Uh, what was yeah. it? What's your story? All right. So, uh, a long story. I can make it uh, shorter. Get comfortable, uh, things... man. Get comfortable. All right. Uh, I think back in back in college. So I think it's around oh, that's around seven, seven, uh, six, seven years ago. So uh, we have. I, I was uh, computer science. I studied in the states too. Um, we have a group of people, pretty much where we were nerd and then uh, just talk <laughs> about some new stuff. And then after we graduated, the the, the com- uh, like the community is still there. So one of the guys say, "Hey, there's a Bitcoin coming up. I mean, uh, you guys want to check it out?" So I say, mm, "Okay." So I check it myself and look at Bitcoin, and it looks. Okay, it's, it's, it's a digital stuff. And at that time, I don't know what that is. So I purchased some and then uh, <laughs> live there. And then, like, you know, a couple of years later, probably two, three years later, so, oh, there's a value of that coin. So, and I started to, oh, this is something probably serious. Then uh, I start to look at mining. I even do my mining myself at home. And then, uh, Later on, uh, we tried to, uh, I was in a like investment company too. So we tried to build our mining too. And then, uh, well, it was a failure, but, but I, we, we learned a lot. So <laughs> we, I, I know like I, I took a couple of lessons from the blockchain and Bitcoin. So, uh, I, I can see myself, I officially entered this blockchain, uh, around 2015 at that time and then um, it just the, the price of the bitcoin is just moved a lot and then at the same time i was a forex trader as well so i trade and then i i, I wanted to trade with bitcoin at, at that time the only platform i can trade is bitmax I'm talking about leverage trading, so margin trading. So it's Big Max. Then I look at Big Max my, uh, myself and say, this is too complicated for me. And I'm thinking this is also too complicated for most of the traders. And I think going to a crypto trading, most people are quite new to trading, probably don't have experience for forex trading as well. So, um, my intention will be making a new trading platform, which is easy for people to use, even for novice trader. So that's, that was my intention to make overbit. And then uh, luckily I have my team uh, in UK. They were also building a forest system before. So I can put the team entirely to overbit because the system, uh, it, the fundamental is the same. Like you do the same thing with forex with crypto, and the security wise, somewhat is the same. But then crypto, you have the 
uh, wallet. It's just something new. So uh, that part uh, we took uh, extra care of. And then that's how Overbeat started. And it started uh, last year, fe February. Mm. It's growing fast, man. From what I hear, yep. from what I from what I hear, I've heard a couple people talk about Overbit, um, and I know everyone. So, no, I'm kidding. I don't. I don't. But, um, <laughs> so you're a trader, man. Are you committed to shouldering the responsibility of being the next like layer of adoption that has to push this whole industry forward? Because at first I think it was like miners, right? The miners came in that spread yeah. like wildfire. Everybody tried to mine until they couldn't compete anymore or just got bored with it. And now it feels like markets and traders are redefining or at least, I don't know, I don't want to say stabilizing the market, but you guys are the customers right now. You got all these providing the entry points, like the interface to a lot of this stuff, at least for the majority of the users um, and the utility of crypto is it's mostly people like using it as an investment vehicle or trying to get their hands on it um, through fiat or some other token so they can do something with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, people, well, if you look at this, yeah, trader plays a big part of, right? I mean, in crypto industry right now. And also if you look at more institutional uh, are coming in as well. So um, I see myself, uh, because I'm not a trader anymore, I cannot, actually it's, it's not I cannot, I don't have time to trade my, on my own behavior. So right, what I can do for to push in the adoption of blockchain or, or cryptocurrency is uh, I want to do it in educational wise. Because in Asia, like, uh, let's talk about uh, Korea and China, Japan, like I can see, especially in 2017, there was a, a, a hype of ICO product. So lots of people getting into crypto because not because of Bitcoins, because of ICO, because of those all coin can get like 50 X, 100 X within a few months. Like, and then after that, the price just dropped like dramatically. People are getting scared of uh, cryptocurrency and they, they think this is a scam or something. And well, yeah, people would seek this as an opportunity to make money. For myself, uh, this is wrong. So uh, hype, any hype is, is, is wrong and we need to fix it. So how we need to, uh, how I can fix it is I, I keep producing ed educational content to people to explain what is Bitcoin and then what is margin trading. And trading is not a gamble. This is what I, I'm always talk about. And to let people know what is correct way to trade and what's the correct concept behind the blockchain and telling people there's no more 100x, no more whatever 10s, 20s. Uh, be real, realistic that like this is a, a investment product. So don't look at those opportunity. Those are hypes. Uh, we don't want that. And yeah, unfortunately, we have to do it slowly because people like they are really cautious about this, especially in, uh, in Asia. Mm. So 
Overbit, world's leading Bitcoin margin trading platform. Um, could you take a minute and explain to some of the members of our audience like what margin trading is if they're not familiar with it? Okay. And um, margin trading, uh, an easy way to say it is, uh, let's say if you have a Bitcoin and then, okay, let's say before that you have a, you have, you have dollars, then you want to buy Bitcoin, you go to exchange, right? You, you exchange your fiat money to Bitcoin. So we call that exchange a spot trading because you are using fiat to buy something, you exchange it, hand-to-hand exchange. And if you want to make profit, some people still make profit in in, uh, in spot trading, which is they buy Bitcoin, they wait for the price, right? They wait for the price to go up, they sell it, right? So, so that's the way. And they buy all coins, they wait for the price, they sell it. That's uh, called spot trading. Margin trading is, uh, first, we don't use fiat because uh, fiat deals lots of uh, regulation and then most of the country don't accept that. So we use Bitcoin. So you have Bitcoin, you can uh, you can trade against uh, Bitcoin US dollar. So you you either you speculate the price of Bitcoin US dollar either go up or down. So we call it going long or going short. Mm-hmm. Then you can place your uh you place your order to your position into long position or short position. And margin trading all, uh, also offer high leverage. So leverage means uh, if you place one Bitcoin and then with 100x leverage, which means you are, you are actually placing an order with 100 Bitcoin, but then you only use one Bitcoin as your margin. So that can leverage your uh, trading, your investment power to gain more profit. Of course, this will bring you high risk because uh, 100x leverage. So a little bit movement of the price can let your position, let your order close down, uh, forced to close down. So uh, a good way to practice in, in margin trading is Overbit offer a demo account. So if you register in Overbit, you will get a AP coin or 50,000 USDT to practice. Uh, I always tell people to practice before trading because most people like myself before that, don't know what margin trading is. And we ha- we are in a really good, having a lot of uh, social media right now, especially Twitter, like people can say, Bitcoin is going up, going to the moon. And then when you see this, especially you are new, you say, oh, damn, I will buy it now. But then <laughs> I don't know what to do. Right? You know, exactly I don't know what, what I do. say. Oh yeah, he's got a great story about like uh, the pitfalls of margin trading. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I first. That's what people like. Yeah, when I first tried to trade. Wait, I want to get something clear. Did you say fifty thousand USDT? You didn't say fifty thousand USDT, did you? Yeah, it's it's a practice. So we give it's a practice account. Oh, fake account. Oh, it's fake money. Okay. All right. Okay. That's what I, I was like. What? Like in my head, I was like, you can't just be handing out money like that. Okay. Um Yeah, my first time with margin trading was with Litecoin. And it was like it was way back in the day when US accounts could be open on uh, I think it was called OK Coin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, OK Coin. It was Korean, I think. And okay. yeah, I lost 36 Litecoin in like, I don't know, 
two minutes. So um, as soon as I like, you know, I thought I would go long and I was like, yeah, this is it. I'm about to be rich with this one trade. This is going to be the one. And I went long with 36 Litecoin and five minutes later, all of my Litecoin was gone. So, um, yeah, be careful, everybody. <laughs> be, be, be careful because yeah. you can win. You can lose just as fast as you win. Yeah, uh, so a lot of people see this as a as a casino, but to be real, it's it's not you, like the it's not like you go into Twitter, you look at people comment, and then you place your order yourself. So you have to study, you have to know what the product is, and before you're trading. So, uh, yeah, just be careful, really, be careful and be cautious, and then look at your investment, like look at your portfolio. And it's just So how does how does Overbit? Why is it different? Why are you able to do um, what you're able to do that where others can't? Like why 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 are you better? Okay, uh, I we don't see ourselves a better. Um, I mean, uh, to compete, uh, I don't try to like compete with our like you you know Big Max is is top. No one can compete them right now they are like the trading value of big max compared to others is is uh, like by a lot and what we can do is we we see different uh, needs so different people big max for myself i think is more for professional trader they provide open api right and i see there's a, a big portion of people is from no trader we actually did a survey uh i think four three 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 four months ago about a trading uh, like trading traders uh preference so there's around uh 2500 people participate per participate this uh survey over the world it's not only over big users and to ask like how do you trade and what's your trading experience how old are you and then the result come out is 70% of the, those people only have one year or less trading experience in either crypto or Forex. So which means I my attention like intention before I was saying people are mostly from is, is NoFi trader and I was right. 70% are NoFi trader. If those people go into BMAX, I can say that they will lose money not because of the price movement it's because they don't know how to use that platform so um overbit advantages we provide a really simple to use platform so first if you lock into uh you don't even need to lock into overbit you can see our trading platform without logging in it will be really simple uh, interface and like i say there is a demo trading practice so you can go to there and then practice and it's not a test net you don't need to deposit fake bitcoin or something we provide you with the fake bitcoin uh, fake usdt to 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 learn and secondly um there's our like 200 trading platform right now crypto trading platform 200 plus probably more and we have a a point system, uh, like a royalty uh, point system, is the more you trade in Overbit, 
you will accru accumulate the points, then you can use that point to redeem real Bitcoin or real USDT. Mm. And you can you can take it out or you can trade with it. And this is something different than what do you say? The 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 exchange coin, like like Binance coin, BNB. Um a lot of people asking us why you not you guys not making uh, your own all coins. So I to be uh, to be honest with them is we are a trading platform. We are not a blockchain tech company. A coin, uh, all coins should use for blockchain stuff. It's not for us to crowdfunding to to gather your money. Like it doesn't make sense. Mm. I can. I can fund myself my 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 trading platform pretty well. Why I need you use your money to like you know make our platform and then you guys will look at my coin price. If my coin price is going down, you will see my trading platform is doing bad, right? People will have this kind of concept. It's like, oh, your 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 price going down. Your 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 uh your exchange is gonna be shit. Say, like, oh no no, that's not true. So. We don't want to do this kind of stuff like uh like by looking at price and judging whether you are good or bad and so we take out this that we don't do crowdfunding we, we are really 100 percent well self-funded and then it's doing great we see lots of non fi come in we also see professional trading come in because we have demo account people they can use their strategy based on trading field like the indicator to try on our uh, uh, platform. And I see lots of people don't trade in Overbit, but they use our demo account. That's totally fine. They can use our demo account to practice their own strategy, then they will use it in other exchange. And that's fine for us. So uh, I think the advantage is, is uh, this. So you also, traders that use Overbit can also access uh, forex and commodities markets too. Yeah. So, so I can trade my Bitcoin for like oil. Is that what you? Is that what I'm? Yeah. You are. You are somewhat correct. Yeah. You can use your Bitcoin and then you can trade. Uh, oil is not added yet. It will be yet, soon though. to be. Added. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Man, that's dangerous that. territory, man. You ready for that? <laughs> you can do USD Euro, right? And it's, we we uh we can we hedge this we we do with a uh, uh, liquidity provider so uh for ourselves the risk to letting people to do for us or commodity uh is not a big risk for us we do have the uh, liquidity provider to hedge against those uh, traders mm. okay well what, uh, go ahead Gordon. It's, it's yeah, like you can't do that, D, because this isn't available for U.S. citizens. Um, can you tell us oh, like, why I'm that done. is? Like, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, why? why uh, what's wrong with the U.S. market? Can you give us some like insight as to issues that we may have with our regulation that keep um, platforms like yours from from offering services? U.S. regulation is just too com uh too complex for like foreign trading platform and then for us to enter us we have to be comprised with 
lots of different stuff. And we don't want to in somewhat like screw up our way of expansion. So US target, of course, we will look out of uh, after US target. It's just not the first tier market we look for, although US is big, like the, the market is really big. But the effort to put in the in compliance and then to do with the regulation is a lot. Like if you look at big max, they don't even have a, you know, they cannot take US as well. Um, a lot of different, like big, it's a big trading platform. They don't do a uh, margin trading platform I'm talking about. They don't take US. This is the current situation because it's hard to get in. And, you know, with uh, in US, especially I'm a US citizen. I, for myself, I cannot screw up to getting into this, you know? If I step in wrong, if I yeah, do a wrong step, uh, I am putting myself in a big risk. Mm. So we need to pay, be careful and then see how US regulation is. If there's a window we can enter, of course, we will get in for sure. Mm. Sorry, my country's whack, man. Right now. <laughs> We're going through some growing pains. We'll get it figured out. Um, are you long or are you short on Bitcoin? Uh, if you're saying long term, uh, long term will be long. That's for sure. If you look at the fundamental of Bitcoin, the limit of, limitation of that supply, and then the more people getting into Bitcoin. Uh, and the long, the period I say, like if you look at the long term is I'm looking for like five, 10 years. I'm not talking about one, two years. There's so many factors going in into Bitcoin, like, traders institutional twitter <laughs> i that's funny how twitter play, play a big part of the better <laughs> oh yeah. my god and and tiktok now apparently yeah oh yeah so um in in short term talking about like months years bitcoin is still pretty much volatile and the, the, the volatility of the bitcoin is you know average i think is around four to six percent uh, per month, that's like more than 10 times than Forex. So uh, that provides lots of opportunity for traders in short term. For people more conservative, uh, yes, they will They will be more, uh, they will just buy it and save it, you know, like gold. They will save it for years and hopefully it will go up. And myself looking at like five, 10 years, of course it will go up. Mm. I like that because it validates what I think. I like the like thing. Um, so you got a unique lens into the Asian market. Like it says here, uh, you're introducing educational materials into Japan, Taiwan, Hong Kong, mm-hmm. um, China. Like what is it? What is something that's like unique to the Asian market and how it, um, I guess, identifies with or views cryptocurrency uh and blockchain that's different than you know the rest of the world because all we i feel like all we get is like breadcrumbs of news like you know if china sneezes then you know two weeks later we figure out that something happened and they needed a tissue like i've what is the real temperament 
Well, uh, I think for crypto, the 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 stuff happened in Asia compared to other country is 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 quite the same. It's just in Asia, people are more. I cannot find the English word. Uh, they they willing to take a risk. They are easy to trust people. They are they. They just don't think too much. <laughs> so, yeah, so this, they will trust their, how do you say, mentor. So whatever is like, like a trading professor or like whatever, like the influencers say, they will listen to the influencer without even thinking. That's how it happened a lot in, in China, Korea, and Japan. And so at 2017, that's what happened. Those influencers talk about uh, ICO, talk about all coins. They say, "Hey, this coin, trust me, it will become the next Bitcoin in six months." And I was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> I will go sure, in." Sure. <laughs> so those people, they learn their 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 lesson a lot. And by by now, those people don't trust crypto anymore because of those. Uh, inferences for, and a lot of those inferences already like go to different country. Like they 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 go to really safe country like Singapore or something, um, uh, Thailand, Malaysia to live their life with their money. And can you say they're scam? Well, they they have the way to get the money from the investor, and they did help the investor to invest. It just that product is going wrong it's not the influence are going wrong so that's how they use their excuse uh for us to education them we have to go back to zero so we have to say crypto is blah 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 and what's bitcoin because blah 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 then how to trade it just this COVID 19 situation is i cannot host lots of uh, offline meetup or else i will go to different countries to host those meetup to explain People in person, face to face. People in Asia, they love face to face. To be honest, they see you, they trust you. <laughs> really. Mm. So, um, I like to sit down and then to listen to them and doing like a offline AMA, and you just need to do this. I hope I answer your question. Uh, I mean, it's not dissimilar from what goes on the rest of the planet. I just feel like you know. Everybody is like that. Once people start, I don't know, Corey, what do you think, man? Like it, it kind of the same thing was over here in the States, like influencers and people started saying this and that about whatever random altcoin ICO back in uh, 2017. I mean, I mean, it was kind of the same. Yeah, I think it's, it's the same thing. Asia, just they, they will put more money. Then, like one investor can put a hundred a hundred thousand dollars for just like the just like that. Damn. And, but I think like US and Europe, I think they will be more careful. They will only put like a few bucks, something like that. I think so. That's yeah, a anywhere big there's <laughs> anywhere there's a bunch of hype and the ability to potentially make money, there's gonna be people that kind of surround that space and overhype it to that like be like far beyond what it's actually good for. Um, and when you have platforms that offer a tremendous amount of leverage, 
uh, then it, it's 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 like a it's like a playground for people to kind of do that. Even though like potentially it's 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 a it's a it's a, I don't know. That's, here's the there's the balance there's a balance there between um, what you offer your customers and what you allow them to do. Uh, like, like here's like how much rope do you give someone to hang themselves? Because if you give out all the rope, there's going to be plenty of people that hang themselves. Like, how do you, how do you find that balance or how do, I know like going out and educating people is a tremendous effort and it's one that's certainly worthwhile. But even when you do that, there's always going to be a lot of people who just go off and hang themselves because they have all that rope to do it with. Yeah. Mm. The, but like so, there's, there's, no way, there's no way of getting around that. That's like it's a it's a it's an inclusive and permissionless technology. And if, if like like if you don't do it, someone else will, and they may not have the morals or ethics or uh, a desire to educate as much as you do. In fact, they may just be a scam and walk off with your money. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just kind of think that even people that aren't so right now, I feel like the only kind of people in society, and this might be global. Maybe it's just in the States that get to take the high risks are people that make and are worth a lot already. But to me, that doesn't make sense that like your average Joe can't take risks as well. Like, I mean, if anything, why is it so bad that they get to take risks with smaller amounts of money? You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking out loud. It's not even a question. I'm just that's mm-hmm. to that's to you guys. You can volleyball that thought around if you want. I don't know. Like we have from my from my perspective, like I'm ignorant to the rest of the world outside of America with respect to um the culture around investing. Like we have Wall Street and then the people who look up to Wall Street and want to be be those types of traders and folks. Um, what's the rest of the world like? I mean, are there are there large cohorts of people who like I don't know. If you look at America, it seems to me as though you have a very small group of people who really know how to play in these markets and have strategies and how to like navigate them and make relatively uh, smart decisions with their money or like they understand risk. And then you have everyone else, which is a very large pool that would like to be like that, maybe thinks they're like that, but has none of the skills. And so like most most of American is, is financially illiterate. And, it's more but, of the people in the role, I think, not yeah. just America. Mm-hmm. So that's simple. That's a similar story. Mm. Um, so let's switch it up a little bit. How does Overbit future-proof itself in an environment where decentralized exchanges are getting better and better and better at both finding and building liquidity, which was their number one? issue um, which would always be a number one issue if you're trying to tie wallets to wallets but now that that's kind of building momentum how is overbit positioned to uh grow faster than uh, nexus can uh decentralized exchange so so we are not a decentralized exchange to i would like to see a more Adoption for a decentralized exchange, uh, it just because the liquidity of the decentralized exchange compared to centralized, like compared to, to those big big exchanges, it just cannot match up. So the opportunity for the trading in decentralized is less. 
than than others. So mm-hmm. that's how we uh we kind of stuck there right now, and I think like those big company Binance, they are doing decentralized and some others as well. I hope uh we can see more and more stuff like I see Big Mac is a good company and then uh next big company coming up and then they will help the society a lot and. I hope they can put more effort into decentralized exchange to especially educate people to why this is good. For us, margin trading to become a uh, decentralized exchange is hard. It's hard because our liquidity, our order book is large because we can play with leverage. Mm-hmm. By doing decentralized, which means uh, traders are, is playing against each other is the risk management internally and also externally is is it's difficult just that you know, it's really difficult so so for us looking to become a decentralized it takes time and i appreciate the yeah, honesty we like yeah we probably won't do it in a few years you like that's just tough no i like it <laughs> i like it <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's true though yeah uh, well uh, I think I'm about run out of questions man what about you Corey no is there anything you would have liked us to ask uh, that we didn't ask you sorry is there <laughs> was there any questions that you you hoped we would have asked oh. you that we didn't ask you Um, I think you cover pretty much what I want to talk. We got one last question, and it's the hardest question. You ready for it? Oh, what was the Bitcoin price? Oh no, just kidding. <laughs> no, that's an easy question. Ten million dollars. No. Um, <laughs> in ten words or less, can you describe blockchain? Oh, ten words. Uh, what is blockchain? Okay, what is blockchain? That's it. Seven words. Good job. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go. I'm go. <laughs> go. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, blockchain is a new technology that will live in our life forever. Uh, it's a it's a good phrase. I don't know. That's ten words. Uh, yeah, it's a ten words already. So I know you appreciate it. honesty because you just used it on the question that I asked you. But uh, I don't want to explain it because that's ten words. You say ten words, so let the audience. <laughs> let the audience. You're like you're out. like the only guest we've had in the like, I don't know five six years we've been doing this that actually like cared that much about the <laughs> Most people blow right past it. <laughs> yeah, the limit. They're like, I oh, ten words. I'm done. Sorry. Um, <laughs> that's great. I feel like you were on a game show and you just won in a slick way. Like it's a technology that will exist in the future. I'm like what? Okay. All right. Fair enough. Well, <laughs> the easy way is because lots of people don't believe it. I believe it. Like blockchain will help us. Yeah. I think it will too. We got a long road to go though. Well, Chi, thank you very much for swinging by. We appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, then when overbit, is like king of the world except for in the u.s can you come back oh definitely all right
That's it. Thanks for coming on the show.